You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. We are back to the show. My name is Monsignor Schumacher. Thank you for listening to Real Presence Live on your expansive Real Presence Radio Network. Uh, We have a great chunk of the upper Midwest Many dioceses, many states, many parishes in our listening region, all because of the support of our listeners. Thank you for supporting your Catholic radio station. My next guest, a friend of mine, Steve Ray, a regular uh, contributor uh, on, on my show. Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, Monsignor. Always good to talk with you. It's always good to visit with you. How have you been? What's new? Well, we've been very good, busy. Uh, we are getting back on the road, doing a lot of uh, in-person speaking engagements now. I'm not a mask guy, and I go out now. I'm giving lots of uh, talks around the country. I've been to Minneapolis. I'm going to Phoenix tomorrow, Fort, uh, Florida, Texas, Baltimore. I'm going all over giving conferences, parish missions again. And we're heading back out to the Holy Land and a couple other sites in the fall. So we're so, getting back on the road. Update not, me with not, where are we with the Holy Land? Are things opening there? Or are, are, yeah, are, they are. Um, it, it's in June. They're going to allow some small uh, Israeli groups, some of the young people who come there to to get acquainted with their country, and they're hoping that by the end of July, August, they're going to be able to open up. And they're talking about people having vaccinations to get in or proved immunity. Well, our whole family's had COVID. I have proof that I'm immune better than the vaccine. So uh, I think that we'll probably be back going there in September. I've already got over a bus full of people ready to go. So have you been vaccinated, Steve? No. Nope. I, uh, but I had COVID. I don't see there's any read. It's like getting punched twice, you know. Um, well, no need to get a vaccine because I, my doctor said that my uh, chance of getting it again is zero point seven percent, and the vaccine is only promised in you a ninety percent success rate. So I'm I'm more vaccinated naturally than if I got the vaccine. Yeah, see, and I I had COVID, and I get my second shot today, oh, okay. and uh, I'm doing it for travel reasons. Yep, I don't want to. I, I don't. I don't want to get hassled. I agree. Uh, uh, how are you? How are you going to get to Israel without a with a without without a vaccine? Well, my, I, I I have a contact that's very close with the uh, tourism department in Israel, and they said that they're planning to either have proof of a vaccine or immunity, which I have. I ha- I went and got a test yesterday, and I got my report back from the University of Michigan Hospital that says that I have antibodies and that I'm immune. So. Hopefully that's going to be good enough. See, and I, I didn't know if it was be good enough, and I didn't want to be hassled. Uh, so I yep, got I, 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 I get my second shot today at four o'clock. Uh, all of my glands were swollen after my first shot, yep. and so I I I, I, I googled uh, uh, glands vaccine. That's all you got to Google, and then the study was twenty three hours old. How how COVID survivors react in this way? Uh, I don't know why I'm doing it to my body. I guess I, I just I want to do it. I want to get it over with. And and, and move, I think there's going to be boosters required. But anyway, yep. I'm glad I'm glad you're healthy, and I'm glad you're traveling again. I, I haven't I haven't planned anything overseas because I just have to let everything calm down. And it's it's good to hear that 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 you are in 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 that process, Steve. We've got five trips planned: Lords and Fatima, 
in September, a St. Paul cruise through the Mediterranean, 10 biblical sites in October, and three trips to Israel. I also have a trip going to Wisconsin for people who want to just stay domestic, where we're going to visit the three beautiful shrines up there, to St. Joseph and Our Lady of Good Health and uh, Guadalupe, and we've got uh, Cardinal um, Burke is going to celebrate Mass and oh. meet with our group up there, too. So that's coming up in July. So we're getting back on the road again. I've Cardinal, had enough of this nonsense. Cardinal Raymond Burke, a great yep. man. I had him here to give a priest retreat for our priests yep. uh, several years ago. I have great ago. respect for that man. He's uh, what would I call a prince of the church. So, Steve, you'd be a great guy to travel with. And catholicconvert.com is your, is your website, right? Yep, that's it. CatholicConvert.com. I often have people ask, you know, I'd like to go here, I'd like to go there. Steve Ray would be a fantastic, I'd, I'd love to, to travel with you. We We're going to we sh- be in touch, Father. We should do something together, Steve. We should. Um, I'd be happy to. I've had groups, uh, and the, the Holy Land I still want to try to get back to. You know, I had, I, I had it, we were going to go this fall. We we were going to leave in three months' time, but but we um, we canceled it because of, of of the mess. So so Steve Ray CatholicConvert.com, and I I also mentioned before we went on the air I, I gave a heck of a homily on 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 your on on your life, uh, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to you. Uh, you you are a, a convert briefly for those just getting to know you, Steve. How did you come to become a Catholic? Well, I was born and raised a Baptist. My parents converted to the Billy Graham concert, uh, a crusade Billy Graham in uh, 1953. I was born in 1954, a year later. And boy, they were so excited to become these Baptists. They were going to raise me to know the Bible. And to, and it was great. I had a wonderful childhood. My mom and dad are married 73 years. My mom, I'm going to go visit her this afternoon. She's be 100 years old in a couple months. Fantastic. And um, she still talks about the Lord all the time and prays for all of us. But uh, they, they raised me to be a good Baptist kid. I became a Bible teacher and an evangelist. And then at 39 years old, my wife and I, uh, she's the first Catholic in over 400 years in her family. And uh, we started to see the problems with Protestantism. And we almost became agnostic in 1993. But in 1994, we just realized that there was a church. I didn't have to be an agnostic. We discovered the Church Fathers. We found out that the Catholic Church today teaches the same things that the early first ones did. And I asked myself, Monsignor, why did I care so much about what my pastors said today when I could go back and read what the pastors said in the first and second century? And I found out they were very Catholic. They still had the words of the apostles ringing in their ears, they said. So in 1994, we became Catholics. And we've never looked back. I brought in Dr. John Bergsma for uh, a conference here for the priests from the, the University of Steubenville. Yeah, uh, good guy. He, uh, yeah, he was a he was a Calvinist, and and he uh, became a Catholic uh, through through the Church Fathers, the writings of yep. the Church Fathers, the the um, uh, Saint Ignatius of Antioch in particular. Oh, and, me too. And, and, and uh, so the, the Church Fathers s- still ring true. Uh, Steve, l- let's do a little bit of work here. I, I just, I'd love to ch- just chat with you, but uh, we, we do want to kind of hone in on the crucifixion today. Yeah. Uh, in, in, in the before, we're, we're going to take a break in a few minutes, but uh, let's get started. Uh, for our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. Um, what... what um, Tell us about the historical evidence of Pontius Pilate. Uh, 
and 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 let's begin to explain the crucifixion in the first century. Okay. Well, we're going through the creed, the Nicene Creed. I have a book called The Catholic Faith, uh, Introduction to the Creeds, and we're going through each clause every month or so. And we've done all the way up through the Incarnation, Jesus becoming a man, but he came a man for a certain purpose. He didn't just come a man to walk around and say hello to all of us. He came down so that he could suffer and die for our sake, so that our sins could be forgiven, and he suffered and died the most horrendous form of execution ever devised by man. Crucifixion was invented by the Persians in 600 B.C. as a means to totally humiliate and degrade and bring the most awful symphony of pain that a human body could have, and it wasn't just to get it over with quick. There's records of them keeping men alive on a cross for up to a week alive. So this was a horrendous way of death. Jesus knew what was going to happen to him. He was prepared for it. He left glory and became a man for the very purpose of dying like that because he loved us so much. That's the crucifixion, and it's a horrendous way to die, but he wanted to demonstrate his love for us, and there's no better way to show love than if you die even for someone who has despised you like we did. He still loved us even though we didn't obey him. He still poured out his love for us on the cross. It was such a horrible way to die. The, the, the Romans perfected crucifixion. Yes. Uh, it was such a horrible way to die that, that Roman citizens themselves could not be crucified. Exactly. Uh, and, that's and, why Paul was, Paul was beheaded, because it's that's, quick that, and fast, that's, but that's Peter was crucified because he was not a Roman citizen. And, and the word excruciating means from the cross. Yeah. And, and so uh, th- th- let's talk about Pontius Pilate. We're going to take a break here, but first, tell us about the historical evidence for Pontius Pilate. Okay, I had a friend one time tell me, I, I don't have any problems with your creed, Steve, except for the line about Pontius Pilate, because when you mention Pontius Pilate, it seems you're trying to tie your creed into real history. <laughs> That's exactly what we're doing, because what the creed is, is it is real history. It's objective truth, not only about heaven and hell and judgment, but it's objective truth about what happened to Jesus. Pontius Pilate was the procreator of of uh, Tiberius, and he was a real man. And they denied that. Some people denied it and said he was just an invented character to be the fall guy, to be the one to throw the blame on. But in 1961, they were working in Caesarea Maritime. I take groups there. It's along the Mediterranean Sea. And they flipped over a stone, and guess what it said on the stone? To the divine Caesar Augustus, Pontius Pilate, the prefect of Judea. This is dedicated to him. So they found real objective archaeological evidence that he was a real person and had the title exactly as the gospel said so. Is it fair to say he was in a tight spot, for lack of a better term? Oh, he was, yeah. I would not have wanted to have been a procreator. It's kind of like the governor. And he only came to Jerusalem when he had to. He wanted to stay out in Caesarea Maritime because it was all that had the Mediterranean breeze blowing and all the ships sure. coming in, and it was a magnificent city that Herod built. It was the capital of all of that area of Judea and the uh, Middle East there. Beautiful city. He had a palace there. But during Passover, when up to two million Jews came to Jerusalem, if there was ever going to be a problem, an insurrection, a rebellion, that's when it was going to happen. So he had came there, and Herod had built a big tower, 
the Antonia Fortress, which was attached to the temple, and it looked down over the courtyards. And they all came, and they stayed there during Passover watching. And there were only a few gates to the city, so if there was ever a problem, they could immediately shut those gates, have all of those people inside the temple, and they could deal with them. But that's the only time Pontius Pilate would come to just to oversee Passover to make sure there was no problems. And as soon as he did, he'd get back out and go back to the, to the seaside. But it was a tough job because he had to answer to the Caesar in Rome, and the Caesar in Rome was very unforgiving. And in fact, shortly after, Pontius Pilate did make some mistakes, and he was deposed. And the poor guy didn't even realize his name would be on a creed in a church until the end of time. How embarrassing. (laughs) Uh, Steve, we're going to take a break, all right? Uh, So uh, Steve Ray's my guest. We're talking about details of the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus and uh, to understand it from the first century, uh, from his book. His website is catholicconvert.com. He's a regular contributor to Real Presence Radio, a great supporter of ours, and uh, we're going to hold him through the break. We're coming up on 46 minutes past the hour, and we'll be back in just one moment. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Come to Holy Cross Catholic Church in Ipswich on Saturday, May 22nd, and experience the treasures of the church. Over 150 sacred relics of the saints will be available for prayer and veneration. Father Carlos Martins for the Companions of the Cross will give a teaching on the church's use of relics that is a scriptural, devotional, and leads to a renewal of the Catholic faith for many people. Saturday, May 22nd at 3.30 p.m. at Holy Cross in Ipswich. Visit holycrossipswich.org for more information. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Honor your Father by word and deed, that a blessing from Him may come upon you. Sirach 3.8 Our priests guide us on the right path and teach us about our Catholic faith. At Real Presence Radio, we'd like to honor them for helping to deepen our relationship with Jesus. Each week on Real Presence Live, we honor our fathers with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. You can nominate your priest to receive special recognition by going to yourcatholicradiostation.com. And thank you to all our priests for your service to the Holy Catholic Church. Today's Real Presence Live broadcast on the Real Presence Radio Network is brought to you in part by Rose Management. Affordable housing provided. Serving North Dakota and Minnesota. 701-237-6840 or rosemanagement.net. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network. Bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the upper Midwest. 
Now, back to the show. Uh, Steve Ray is my guest. Uh, he's on his way to Phoenix. W- what's going on in Phoenix, Steve? Uh, the Order of Malta, in conjunction with EWTN, is going to have what's called a healing mass. And it's uh, going to be on EWTN, and I'm going to be the host. I'm going to be on TV with another guy, and we're going to be hosting it, kind of like a play-by-play at a basketball game. So we're going to be talking about Lourdes and the healing and the gifts in the Church of Healing and how God does that. And we're, so we're going to be talking about Lourdes and uh, St. Bernadette, and uh, that's what, And so it's going to be kind of fun. In fact, you can join it if you want. It's going to be on EWTN, and if you go to their website, you can learn about it. It's going to be uh, Saturday around noon Phoenix time we're starting. It'll air Saturday around noon Phoenix time. Right. Uh, and remember, they do not um, spring ahead or fall behind. So they're they're actually e- uh, w- West Coast time now in Arizona. Yep. Uh, in any event, Steve Ray, we're talking about the 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 creed, the crucifixion. Uh, your, your book is entitled "The Catholic Faith: An Introduction to the Creeds," written by Steve Ray. It's available online right now or Kindle. I'm looking at it right now. We're talking about the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus and the, the, the brutal death that, that, that it was. I, I don't think people understand uh, entirely um, how cruel it was um, and how, in, in, in essence, it didn't kill you. You, you. you died from asphyxiation. Describe that, Steve. Yes, it doesn't kill you because uh, they've kept men alive on the cross for a week. Alive. And they would strip you completely naked, and I know people get upset when I say that because they see pictures of Jesus with a loincloth on and said that Mary would never let Jesus be crucified that way, but Mary was not in charge of the crucifixion. The Romans were, and they were brutal and cruel, and we have all kinds of records about how they actually did it. They strip you naked, and they put you on the cross, and you are totally degraded and humiliated in front of everybody. They put you at the city gate so that everybody going in and out of the city can see you. Why do they do it that way? Because it is a warning. Not only are they punishing this guy for a crime, but they are also warning everybody else. You guys want to defy the power of Rome? Go ahead and defy us, and look where you'll end up. Watch that guy with the vultures pulling the meat off his flesh while he's still screaming for his life on the cross. And then the, the way that you would ultimately die is if you didn't put a place for your feet to rise up, you would be stretched only by your arms, your diaphragm stops working, and you would suffocate. So that's why they nailed his feet to the cross, because they, that would raise him up a little bit. He could raise up and breathe. So over time, though, if they needed, like with Jesus, to kill him, they'd come along and break their legs, and that would mean that they would then sag down on the cross onto their arms only. Their diaphragm would not be able to breathe, and they would die of suffocation. Jesus was somewhat, Monsignor, this sounds crazy, but in some ways his was a merciful crucifixion because he was only on the cross for three hours, and there's men that have been on a lot longer. I think the real pain of the crucifixion for Jesus was taking on the sins of the world, what I think happened in Gethsemane, where he said, take this cup from me, if you will, but not my will, yours be done, because he was the holy, 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 Holy One of God, and he who knew no sin became sin for us. And I think that that was probably the most painful psychological, spiritual, emotional thing that happened to him that day, is when he took on all the sins of the world into his very sacred, holy, divine body. 
that had to be a horrendous thing. That's why the serpent in the wilderness, by the way, is a picture of Jesus on the cross. As Moses raised up the serpent, so will I be raised up, and anyone who looks on him will be saved. Why a serpent? Don't you think Jesus should have been a lamb, a picture of a lamb on a cross, innocent, pure? No, because at that moment he took all the sting of the the viper, he took all the sins, he even took the devil himself to the cross, and he destroyed it all. That's why the serpent is a picture of Jesus on the cross. But it was a painful death. They put the nails right through the wrist, just in the palm, but if you feel your hand, if you put the nail in your palm and a weight, it would just slide right out between your fingers. But if you put it down kind of in the palm, but down where you're toward, closer to the wrist, there's a lot of bones down there, and it would go through, and then it would hold the weight. But also in there is called, called the median nerve, which is one of the most painful nerves. And I read that in World War One and two, when somebody got hurt with a median nerve, not even morphine would cut the pain. And so that's why the Romans perfected this form of torture and execution, because it was a symphony of pain. Not only being totally degraded and humiliated, but also being the pain coming from the median nerves in your feet and in your wrists. And then he's got all his back already looks like hamburger. We saw Mel Gibson's movie. We know how horrendous it was. And I think Mel Gibson's movie was totally accurate and a work of art. And Jesus suffered there on a cross in an excruciating symphony of pain, which none of us can even begin to comprehend. And the victim then would stay alive on the cross by, by breathing, and which yes. would require him to press on his feet, which are nailed, right. to twist his wrists, which are nailed, yep. and run his open back into the splintered wood of the cross. So if you think... If you think of the seven short words, why were there seven short words? People don't think about that, but he can't breathe. And he is, he's hanging by his arms, and he can't get a breath. So he has to rise up on his, the nails in his feet. He has to push himself up. Mother, your son, your mother. Back down again, because he can't stand the pain on his feet. And then he wants to say again, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Back down on his arms again. This is the seven short words. He's gasping for air because he's untorturing, and he he has to rise up on his feet. And as soon as he does that, the pain is excruciating. He drops back down, and then it's on his arms, his elbow, his wrists again. So it's, it's just a terrible way to die. And also remember, you have no control over your bodily functions either. You lose. It's a totally humiliating. But you know, one of the things about Jesus being naked when he went to the cross. Think of this, Father. Adam and Eve were naked in their innocence in a garden at a tree, and because of their sin, they lost their innocence, and they had to be clothed and kicked out of the garden. It says in John's Gospel that the cross was in a garden, and John wants us to know that because he wants us to think of the Garden of Eden. So as Adam and Eve were innocent and naked, they had to be clothed and kicked out because of their sin. Jesus came into the garden clothed, but he had to be stripped naked at another tree in order to restore our innocence. Steve raised my guest. Steve, not all the soldiers were Roman. There were conscripts from other countries, and that, that led to uh, a different sentiment as well. Yes, because if you think of this, the conscripts, they came from Syria to the north and Egypt to the south, and maybe from Babylon and other areas to the, to the east. And they were the perennial enemies of Israel. Israel, you read the Old Testament, is always fighting against the Egyptians and the Syrians and the people, the Moabites around them. And now all of a sudden these conscripts 
these guys who are drafted into the army from these other countries. They say, the king of the Jews? Israel's been our enemy for thousands of years, and we've got the king of the Jews in our hand? Well, let's have some fun with him. Let's put a purple robe on him, and let's pound a cross a crown of thorns onto his head. We're going to have some fun with this guy today. So this was to more than just your average quote-unquote criminal. This was what they thought was a big fun time because they had the king of the Jews in their hands and they were going to really have some fun with him. So they that's why they have a crown of thorns. This didn't happen. Men were crucified every day. This is nothing new. When, when they dragged Jesus through the streets, you know, the merchants are saying, get the guy out of here. I'm trying to sell my tomatoes and he's making a mess. But this is a, a daily occurrence. Nothing big deal. But with Jesus, they made a crown of thorns and a robe because they were going to have fun with this guy and they only made his torture worse. And it's fair to say his scourging was uh, kind of expedited, as you could say, to, to hasten death before sundown. And, it was. And, 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 he, and he couldn't even carry his cross. Usually, you know, they weren't beaten so that they couldn't carry. So he, and he fell. He couldn't carry his cross, and so we know that. Yeah, it was, it was 110 pounds, historians suggest, that what he was carrying was 110 pounds. It's called the patibulum. It's the cross beam that would, they would be carried up there. And he has to carry that himself. And, you know, the interesting thing is I'm, right, I'm just finishing my book on Genesis. I'm writing a Catholic commentary on Genesis. I'll be finished in the next couple of days with, a, with the second draft. And there at, I talk about Isaac when Jake Owen... Um, Abraham took his son Isaac up Mount Moriah, which happens to be the same place where Jesus was crucified 2,000 years later. A God who had a son, I mean, a father who had an only son whom he loved, took him up Mount Moriah and offered him as a sacrifice. God the Father, 2,000 years later, took his only begotten son whom he loved to the same place to offer him as a sacrifice. But when Isaac went up the hill, he said he had the wood of the sacrifice on his back. And what did Jesus have? The new Isaac. He has the wood of the sacrifice on his back, too. So the, the tie-ins, with, even with the Old Testament, explaining the crucifixion long before it happened are just magnificent. This is all in Steve Ray's book, entitled The Catholic Faith, An Introduction to the Creeds. Uh, people have asked me uh, for recommendations. This is a book I recommend. We're going through it line by line on my radio shows with Steve Ray. Steve, I want to thank you for being on Real Presence Radio once again. You're, you're very welcome, Monsignor Schumacher, and thank you for being a great priest. We need about a thousand more guys like you. Thank you so much. And, and uh, we, need a, we need a thousand more guys like you. I'm going to send you the homily I, I gave on, on your story, and thank you for reminding us today of how our Lord suffered for us. All right? You're very welcome. Look forward to next month. Okay. Enjoy your trip and travel safely, my friend. Thank you. God okay. bless you, too. Till next time. Thank you. That is Steve Ray. His book is entitled The Catholic Faith, An Introduction to Creeds. We're coming up on 59 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just one moment. <laughs> 